Are you an undergraduate student thinking about going into research? Perhaps you're in another career and wondering whether PhD is worth it? On this episode of the Flory Stroke podcast, we chat with three researchers who are in the thick of it to get the best advice about PhDs. I'm your host, Tessa Marshall, and this is Scientists of Stroke by Flory Stroke. Welcome to Scientists of Stroke by Flory Stroke, where we discover how researchers at the Flory Institute are working to prevent stroke and reduce the impact of strokes. You can follow us on Twitter at Flory Stroke and find us on Facebook at CRE Stroke Rehab. So first off, why do stroke research in the first place? And what path can you take to get there? First, I ask current PhD student Venetia Rethnam why she went into stroke research. I think the fact that stroke affects so many people and it's an area of medicine that requires a lot of research and and has the capacity to change a lot of lives, I think that in itself is motivation for pursuing it. I also spoke to Dr Carly Rolston, the head of preclinical stroke research at the Flory. How did she get to her current position? So what inspired you to pursue stroke research? It's really interesting. Well, um, as a scientist, I've always been a scientist and I've always been interested in asking questions and finding out how we can best explore answers. But it really wasn't until a couple of years ago when I started to actually meet people who'd had strokes. And as a scientist, I was stuck in a laboratory and I was, even though I was working at St Vincent's Hospital, I had no patient contact. I had no contact whatsoever with the stroke community. But I had this quest for knowledge and I had this quest for applied knowledge. Anyway, then one of my best friends rang me one day to say her son was being flown from Albury to the Royal Melbourne Hospital with a cerebral hemorrhage. And then I went across and for six months I followed their path as they went through on their journey of recovery. And I suddenly realised that all this information we were generating and all this knowledge we were gaining, none of it was translating across to clinical practice. And I suddenly realised that I had been stuck in a bubble and that I needed to get out of that bubble and I needed to get more involved within my stroke community so that I could understand what the real life scenario was like so that I could do better research. Current PhD student Ruby Lipson-Smith took a slightly different path compared to the typical science graduate. The Melbourne University used to offer a combined program where you did a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Science concurrently. And so that's what I did. First of all, you learn to write in a Bachelor of Arts. (laughs) And so that's been very useful, starting a PhD. But also it gave me a perspective on how science can fit into the wider community. And I majored in history, but I've always been interested in architecture and design. And so when I realised that there was this way that I could merge my two interests, I decided to do a PhD in it. Also wanted to ask about just what being a PhD student is like, so Mm. for any sort of honours students or undergrads who were thinking about research. So what does a typical day in your life as a PhD student look like? It looks like doing some reading. That happens quite a lot. Also doing some writing. But it also, the, the main thing that I've done in my PhD is make a lot of really interesting contacts. So I think that it's really been down to the fact that I picked something that I was interested in because I can choose to read things and think about things that I'm passionate about 
And it also means that I can meet people who are interested in similar things. So Ruby thinks that one of the best aspects of a PhD is the people you get to meet. But on the flip side, there are challenges to completing a PhD. And here's what our students had to say about them. You know, you spend three years on a project and some things work, some things don't. And I think it's just being able to go, to let go and say, okay, let's move on. What's the next step? Uh, I think the most challenging thing is that although I'm working in a team, really I am the only one working on my PhD projects. And if you're not careful and you don't make sure that you're, you're you know, in a communal space and interacting with people, then it could be very isolating. I think definitely communication, public speaking, you're forced, <laughs> well not forced, but it's expected that you can present your research to different audiences. Being able to rely on peers, I definitely learnt lots of time management skills through other people. Your main resource are the other PhD students around you. So you're working through all of these challenges and you're learning a heap of new skills as you go. How do you think being at the Flory rather than somewhere else affects your PhD experience? I really like the fact that there's a lot of different kinds of research going on at the Flory. There's people who work in labs with cells and there's people who work in hospitals with patients and there's people who do programming for neuroimaging. Whatever kind of question you might have, there's probably someone in the institute who's got the answer for you. No two days are the same and the within a PhD, which is you know three or four years long, you'll do three or four projects. So there's a lot of change. I was worried when I started a PhD that I would get bored just focusing on one topic for three or four years. But actually, once you start doing it, it does not feel like one topic anymore. It suddenly expands and opens up and you realise that there's a lot of different avenues to pursue and a lot of different skills to learn within that one topic. Have you got any tips on sort of how to pick a topic or...? A great way is to contact different lab heads um, in an institute like the Flory and to ask whether you can come visit. Look at their papers, look at their published work. I know that a lot of lab heads are more than willing to have people come intern or volunteer for a week or two weeks and it's a great opportunity to get an insight. What's the most useful advice that you've received? Um, I think the most useful advice I got is to remain flexible. Being adaptable and saying yes to new opportunities, like change is just a way to introduce new opportunities. I think it's a skill that will carry on post-PhD and yeah. But you've also got to be super resilient because every single day your work is critiqued and you've really got to be um, capable of forging ahead, looking at the bigger picture in this game. So to be in this industry, you've really got to have, you not only got to have passion, but you've got to have a sense of community. And lots of people can get lost in the discovery side of things because it's exciting to discover something new every day. But really, there's so much suffering out there and we really need to improve the quality of life. So I'm a big advocate of 
if you're in this industry that has very little funding, you really want to have a passion to help help people. Thank you, Carly, for no talking with me today. That you're was... welcome. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Carly Rolston, Venetia Retham and Ruby Lipson-Smith for all that advice. I'm your host, Tessa Marshall. To hear more about Stroke Research at the Flory, check out our other episodes and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Flory Stroke.